You know what that is. It's the sound of a heart beating faster and faster. It sends chills up my spine just thinking that it's actually the sound of a man's heart who's leaning over the edge of an 87-story building. Oh my, he's looking down. He can barely see the cars below him. Scared of heights and trying to catch his breath, he realizes there's nothing to stop him from falling. He's not strapped to the building. There's nothing on the ground to soften his landing either. Look out below. Now picture this. You are sitting on an out-of-control roller coaster. The cars are going faster and faster, and there's nothing you can do. Up, down, left, right, upside down. You are trying to brace yourself for what's going to happen next. As you're being tossed around, hanging on as tightly as you can, your stomach suddenly doesn't feel so well. Your stomach might also not feel so good for a different reason in this next scenario. Imagine being in a room surrounded by bodies. As a medical student, you are inside a cadaver lab for the first time. Bodies are everywhere, waiting for you and the other students to dissect them. The smell, the bodily fluids. Can you stomach what's going to come next? Just being gross. It's pretty simple. I can tell you about it all day, and until you experience it, you won't. It doesn't mean anything. Now visualize taking on the huge responsibility in the manufacture of a car that doesn't even exist. On the production line, you must also find a way to keep your employees safe. Unlike years ago, you might not need to worry about protective gear and hazards so much. It's more about technology now. I'll explain. Can you do it? That makes you feel good at the end of the day when you have some good data to suggest that all this hard work's paying off. Believe it or not, it's possible to do all of these things from the comfort of your own office or home computer chair. I can do them too. You might be thinking, how? I'm not a daredevil. I don't have those kinds of job skills. You don't need to. You can do them through what's called virtual reality or VR for short. While VR has been around for maybe a century or so, technology has certainly come a long way. I'm America's digital pro, Kim Commando. And in this fabulous Commando On Demand podcast, we're going to explore the unusual ways that VR technology is being used to not only entertain and educate us, but to make us safer, smarter, and more efficient. And we're also going to talk about if it's worth spending the money to get some of this technology. First, let's go back in time. Let's talk about the evolution of virtual reality. As you probably already figured out, it's an attempt to make you feel present and part of a certain event. VR makes the scenario so realistic, it's hard not to get caught up with what's going on and totally immerse yourself in what's happening. It actually goes back to the 1800s. I know what you're thinking. Really? Yeah, listen. Artists first tried this concept in the 1800s by creating these giant 360-degree murals. Someone would stand in the middle of the mural while being surrounded by a massive canvas. Artists would paint scenes of something going on at the time, like maybe a war, for example. At the time, people were simply mesmerized by these murals since they filled up the viewer's entire field of vision. In the case of the war, it was like standing in the middle of the battlefield. 
But there was a big drawback. All those big murals, they weren't so portable. So let's skip ahead a few decades to 1939. Do you remember the Viewmaster? Even if you were born later, I'm sure you've seen one, even if you haven't used one in a while. The Viewmaster kind of reminds me of looking into binoculars, only with this device, you're actually looking at a 3D picture. By peering into the Viewmaster, you see images as a result of a cardboard disc that you inserted. When it's pointed at a light, you see the cool 3D photos. It used to keep kids and adults entertained for hours. This GAF Viewmaster is a lot of fun. What do you think? I always considered the GAF Viewmaster an ingenious invention. While primitive compared to today's standards, the Viewmaster, it's still around. Only there's a new version. This one incorporates the virtual reality family tree. It's actually called Sensorama, patented in 1962. The arcade-style theater cabinet actually shows 3D movies. It also includes smell generators, a vibrating chair, and fans to help simulate movement, like going up and down on a roller coaster. Morton Hellig is its creator. It's a way to get your body to smell. Uh, of course, stereophonic sound, 3D, peripheral vision. Okay, fast forward again in history to the early 90s. That's when Stephen King's horror film, The Lawnmower Man, introduced virtual reality to a mainstream audience. Job Smith is about to enter the world of virtual reality. We all struggled in the early days of VR. Technology wasn't really quite there yet. Not until 2012. That's when this Kickstarter campaign raised two and a half million dollars. Stay right where you are. We all struggled in the early days of VR. Technology wasn't really quite there yet. Not until 2012. That's when this Kickstarter campaign for something called Oculus Rift raised two and a half million dollars. Obviously a success, Facebook purchased Oculus for $2 billion in 2014. Not a bad profit for two years. After going through several redesigns since the Kickstarter campaign, Oculus Rift was released in March of 2016. This is a virtual reality headset with a stereoscopic OLED display. You can use it while standing, sitting, or walking. You have to remain in the same room though. Alex Lambert is the creative director for Initian. It's a production company that specializes in emerging technologies like virtual reality. What Oculus Rift did was they looked at things in a very different point of view. They took abundant technology, mobile phone technology, rather than trying to produce their own types of screens. Um, from there, they were able to take these screens, take these gyroscopes, put them all inside one device, um, and that had everything they needed really to make a convincing virtual reality world. Now, after nearly two centuries of practice, we're finally at a point where VR is believable. In fact, VR seems to be everywhere lately. HTC, Sony, Samsung, Google, and Facebook, they all released new VR headsets last year. And those are just a few. But the question is, what exactly can we do with them? Sure, we can play VR games or even make our grandmothers ride a virtual roller coaster. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but there are a lot of other more productive aspects to virtual reality. I'd like you to meet Matt Hood, he sells homes in and around Los Angeles, but he's more than a realtor. Nowadays, he's also a software developer. 
You see, Matt co-founded a company called Transportive. We're building the virtual reality platform for real estate. Here's how VR home buying works. Potential home buyers can virtually walk through any home on his company's app. That's great for people on the East Coast looking to move to LA. They can go on a virtual house hunting trip without even going to the airport. And it's more than just a 3D movie. This is totally interactive. You can walk through the front door, go up the steps, into the bedrooms, the bathrooms, even peer into the closets, or skip the bathrooms altogether. It helps you see how space is in each room and the relationship from one room to the other. One of the things that you can do though, as, as, you know, as compared to say a video, is that you can navigate however you want. So you can just go in the front door and walk straight you know, through the home out to the pool. It's that feature that, that's one of the main differentiators. There's also an added benefit. It can save home buyers and realtors a ton of time, especially in a huge metro area like Los Angeles. For example, uh, you can visit 10 homes in you know just over 20 minutes, say 20 or 30 minutes. You know, compare that to if you were to do that in person. Uh, you know, here in LA where we're based, uh, that could be you know multi-day event. The virtual reality home tour is part of an entire strategy now to sell a house. And the strategy, of course, includes pictures, flyers, and videos that are now being enhanced by drones. Mark Griswold is a professor of radiology at Case Western in Cleveland, Ohio. Microsoft invited him to its labs to experience its VR. They call theirs the HoloLens. It's basically a holographic computer that runs through a headset. It lets you interact with holograms from the comforts of your own home or office. got there and I had to sign a whole bunch of papers and then they showed me a, a, a promo video of what I was going to see and even then I said this is never going to work. But Mark's tune quickly changed. I went downstairs to the to the lab where um, they were having the first prototypes of the HoloLens and put it on my head and within five minutes I knew that my entire world had changed. Not just a little bit, but it completely upended what I knew about our world. Mark figured out this was a technology he could use in the classroom. He recognized that VR and also augmented reality just engages students of all ages. Mark used his 14-year-old son as an example. He was trying to learn Roman history from a textbook with all these tiny graphs and pictures. It's not even close to being engaging. But augmented reality could change the course of, in this case, Roman history. First off, you can teach a class where nobody's sitting down, where everybody's standing up and kind of working together in groups. And then we can do something like bring a centurion into the middle of the classroom and walk around him and see what his armor looked like, see what his sword looked like. And then we can all together go back in time and see what it was like to stand on the floor of the Colosseum. So Mark joined the think tank at Case Western. Its goal, to transform the way anatomy is taught to medical students by rebuilding the curriculum from the ground up. And that meant doing away with the age-old medical school tradition. 
It's uh, for medical students to go through the classical way of learning anatomy where you go through and you dissect a human body to find and learn about all the different structures inside the body. Imagine walking into a large room and seeing gurney after gurney after gurney, maybe two dozen or more. And on each gurney, a body draped with a light blue cloth. Your job, to take the body apart and analyze it close up. That's the reason why students call this gross anatomy. You can imagine that this is a pretty difficult environment to work in, that there's a lot of chemicals and a lot of bodily fluids. Um, but that is, in a lot of ways, the first time that people work with real human bodies. So Mark had this grand idea. He wanted to turn the cadaver lab into a virtual reality anatomy lab. His big plans could really change what some know about medicine. Instead of bodies and smocks in a cadaver lab, Mark wants everyone to wear a VR headset. Okay, they'll still learn the anatomy of a human body, but with VR and now AR, which stands for augmented reality, it's gonna be a lot quicker. We think that um, the students will be more engaged and that we can offer them new things. So we could add in animation so that we can see a beating heart instead of a static heart. We can see how the lungs work breathing up and down. We can see how the stomach digests food. All these different kinds of things that we can do that you can't do in a cadaver lab. Instructors at Case Western are already using virtual reality to teach students physics. More specifically, something called electromagnetism. You can imagine, again, these are really complicated 3D shapes. You know, there's the electric fields are arcing all over. And being able to understand their relationships is really important to understanding the physics that are behind all of the, you know, the physics behind the way our world works. Many researchers believe that every student in the not-so-distant future will carry not just a smartphone in their backpack, but a HoloLens. All that is next. Let's go from the classroom to the assembly line, where car makers employ more than 1.7 million people in the United States, and many of them are on the production line. They're the people who actually put the cars together. So manufacturers like Ford Motor Company have someone like Marty Smets on staff. I run the Ergonomics and Variation Analysis Lab, which is a, um, a lab in manufacturing that focuses on advanced ergonomics, virtual reality, and motion capture for digital human modeling. It's pretty fun stuff. Marty has a pretty cool gig. He spends his day in a VR laboratory. His goal is to keep employees safe on the production line, making sure each and every job is ergonomically sound. Close your eyes for a moment, unless you're driving, and picture his lab. It's about 1,700 square feet with a 20-foot high ceiling. It's like walking into a major television studio with lights and cameras. Except these are motion action cameras. You know the kind I'm talking about. It's the kind they use to make animated video games and movies. Actors put on those skin-tight suits with reflectors, and the cameras track how they move around. But Marty, well... He's not making a video game and he's not making a movie. So we use this technology to determine how people will move while they're performing work. Um, and not just work that already exists, but oftentimes we're trying to design for future assembly tasks. 
So uh, at work, my customer is essentially the, the hardworking men and women who work in our assembly plants putting the cars together. And our team makes sure that all the jobs that they have to perform on future vehicles that we're working on are safe from an assembly perspective. Marty's not talking about people critically hurting themselves while on the job. He's talking about the day-to-day tasks that hundreds of thousands of people do every day on a production line. Those minuscule tasks over time can actually cause huge problems for workers. We use this motion capture system and other virtual technologies to to predict how someone might approach a particular job. And we can look at that approach to essentially take a snapshot of what their, their whole body posture is. So posture is a really important thing in our world because if I understand what your posture is, I can predict how much strength you can generate at your hand. So if you had to use your hands to put a part on a car or lift something heavy, I can calculate whether or not that's going to be safe for you or not safe for you. And not just for you, but for our entire population of workers. This is just so fascinating to me. Let me tell you why. Everyone is different. I mean, some of us are tall, some of us short, like me. Others are fat, some people are thin, then you have everybody in the middle. How in the world do you engineer a production line while considering the thousands of different body types? That's that's a very, very good question, and it's something that we're very uh, you know acutely focused on. When we're trying to do this up front and we don't know who's gonna be performing the job, it's critical to make sure that any potential or a certain percentage of our operator population, you know, they're gonna be capable of performing that work. So it's very critical that the what we use these digital human models in this virtual world to interact with this virtual car. Marty and his team have created an army of digital humans. They use them to design a production line. It helps them take into account the perfect height the production line should be, and also the access height of each and every part used while producing a car. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of parts, everything from nuts and bolts to rubber gaskets, and all of them must be accessed by 90% of all auto workers. Boy, it's not easy figuring that all out. So for example, uh, our UAW workforce, we know certain things about them. We know um, some of their, we know their heights, we know their mass. This is just collected, you know, as part of the hiring process. We know their gender, we know their ethnicity. And using these parameters, we can predict what all their other segment dimensions might look like. Okay, wait a minute. How in the world can you figure out a person's dimension by their ethnicity? It helps us understand how to create that one representative mannequin. Um, if we, you know, because different ethnicities have different distributions of mass. So if I know your height and I know your weight, I might be able to, with some accuracy, predict what your, um, you know, what, what some other your other body parameters might be. Marty and his team using this data. They have created a virtual production line that's perfect for the average size, now avatar. They're analyzing each and every virtual workstation throughout the line, making sure that there's no undue stress on anybody. And once they're done with their jobs, the men and women who will eventually fill these positions actually slip on those VR goggles and take over. Marty calls those employees, are you ready for it? industrial athletes. In my world, they're the experts. I mean, these are the folks that have been on that job for for years, potentially um, performing that task hundreds of hundreds of thousands of times. You know, 10 years on a job, you could perform a uh, perform a task three quarters of a million times. So if I'm if I'm setting up that future task, there's no one in the universe I need to talk to more than that person who's done it that many times. Allowing these industrial athletes to strap on those VR goggles and work on a virtual production line pays off. Ford is actually saving big money on sick leave and worker compensation. 
Plus, it's helping identify problems before the physical production line is built. So he's taking what he's learning about keeping workers safe and actually sharing it with the rest of the automotive industry. You see, there are advantages to keeping corporate secrets, but employee safety, it's not one of them. One of the fun things about working in ergonomics and in terms of health and safety in general, it's not a competitive advantage to not hurt someone. And you know, to, to ensure that operators can safely perform tasks is something we want to share. We share those standards with some other OEMs um, and we do so so that everyone can essentially be using the same, the same tools and the same methods for, for improving safety on the assembly line. Next, I'd like you to meet Dimitri Williams. He's an associate professor at the Annenberg School for Communications at USC. He specializes in video games and video game technology. I liked what he had to say about what he calls hype cycle. I think VR is actually a lot of fun. Um, It has some really cool technology, which works in some very specific ways. I just don't see it being a mainstream daily activity for a lot of people. It's just a very vibrant, but very niche kind of technology. And I, I, therefore, when you see like, boom, it's taking over the world, I'm just saying, hey, hold on. There are some social and psychological reasons why that's not likely to happen. VR is great for people who, let's say, want to stand atop Mount Everest without getting cold. Most of us will never get a chance to do that. So VR definitely fills that need. But Dimitri believes we're also closing ourselves off with VR, not only from the physical world, but also from those around us. When you put a thing on your face, literally physically disconnected from other people. And so if we just think about, you know, how and where people are going to use these devices and how it fits in our daily lifestyle. He makes a good point. No one's going to use VR while driving or on a subway, or at least we hope not. No one's even going to use it while sitting on a couch hanging out with friends. But some people do. Many people won't because, plain and simple, they can't interact with other people that they're right next to. We are if nothing else, really, really social monkeys, and we want to see and be around other people. So we like stuff that connects us to each other, and we tend to shun stuff that disconnects us from each other, or or we do it, and then we feel lousy about it. Now I'd like you to compare your VR goggles to your smartphone. People won't be caught dead without their smartphone because the phones link us to each other. But what happened with Pokemon Go? That was augmented reality. People interacted with others and the characters in the real world. You're superimposing things onto the world, information, ideas, entertainment, you know, lots of different things. That fits better than something that literally just blocks your view. Okay, if there's any real value to VR, it's not just playing games. It should educate us. It should keep us safe. It should entertain us and maybe even actually save lives. Okay, I know so many of you are thinking like, okay, this sounds great, Kim. How do I get my own VR goggles? All right, before you run out and buy the Oculus Rift and ask yourself if it's worth spending $600 just for the headset itself, consider this. While the headset includes the controller and a motion caption camera, well, there's a lot more you need in order to use it. For starters, you need a really powerful gaming computer. And that could set you back almost $2,000. And like many new technologies in the very beginning, with VR, there aren't really a lot of programs yet that actually work with the Oculus Rift. It's mainly just hardcore games and maybe some demos from tech companies. A lot of people also report motion sickness when they're using the Oculus Rift. That's why the company recommends you take breaks every 30 minutes. And when you start looking at the competition, Sony has the PlayStation VR. The whole shebang, including the PlayStation, will set you back $800. 
but it's still less than a full Oculus rig. And don't think that virtual and augmented reality is just being considered by small startup tech companies or Kickstarter projects. Microsoft, you've heard of them. One of the biggest tech companies in the world. Well, they've set their future on VR too. I recently interviewed Steve Guggenheimer, a corporate vice president, and he's got this really great title, Chief Evangelist. I know you don't see Steve's face, but when he was talking about VR, let me tell you, the guy was so excited. It's like Microsoft is banking their future on VR. The notion of virtual reality, augmented reality, the notion of what HoloLens does today and to be able to, to basically use light pipes to shine a, a holographic image in your eye and turn a room into a virtual room that you can interact with. Amazing. You're right. And the truth is, I was with a VR company this morning and, you know, they'll tell you, hey, it's not growing as as fast as we thought it would today, but you can absolutely tell in five years or let's take 20 years, whether it's um, augmented reality or virtual reality or exactly how it works and what the headset looks like, who cares? The fact that you're going to be able to interact with people virtually, take your Star Star Trek scenario of the of the tricorder in the day and, and people popping up, that's going to become real. And so our, our ability to interact across sort of space and place in a three-dimensional world, and then you take the notion of um, you know, data flowing in either things that you you want to provide as an individual or just data from around the world. It could be, you know, weather, it could be, um, you know, traffic, it could be any of these things. And, and being able to proactively help people do whatever it is they're trying to accomplish um, and sort of from wherever they want, that's going to change the way, way we interact and we operate as humans. It's something for you to pay attention to in the future. Right now, unless you have a lot of money to blow, you're one of those early adopters or a hardcore gamer, you might want to wait for the price to drop. But if you'd like to sample VR, kind of almost a little bit, head over to youtube.com and search for 360 degree videos. One of the most popular videos lets you virtually walk on the Las Vegas Strip. And there are also tons of 360 degree videos if you're planning a vacation. And who knows, maybe someday the Kim Commando Show will be in VR too. And just a reminder, if you're not already getting my podcast delivered to you automatically, make sure that you subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play. And by the way, this podcast is not the Kim Commando Show. You could learn more about the Kim Commando Show podcast by heading over to getkim.com. That's getkim.com.